Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. You almost want to kind of thaw out a little bit as Presbyterians, right? <laughs> I know, it's a bad pastor joke. It really is a bad pastor joke. But it's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny. I know. It's exciting. Thank you, Norman. Thank you, Praise Team, for allowing us to sing with you and to worship with you with our voices and song. It is a beautiful thing to be back in the sanctuary and outside singing and praising to God. And those of you that are at home, I hope you're singing with us. I hope that you're standing with us when we stand and pray the prayer of confession. I hope that you're engaging with us in a real and meaningful way and not just a distant observer, but a real and true participant. All right, so last week we talked about Melchizedek. And I was wondering, did anyone go and figure out the mystery to the, about Melchizedek? Anyone? All right, good. Me, me neither. So the mystery is still unsolved. We don't know who Melchizedek is for sure. Lots of theories. And that mystery remains. And there will be, I promise you, I was telling someone, there will be a long line of pastors and theologians at the gate with Jesus. And the question that they will all ask is, who is Melchizedek? <laughs> and I imagine Jesus will just keep answering it over and over again. Or just point you to him. Yeah, that's probably the better, better option for him. Yeah, there he is. Or it was me or whoever it was. Okay, so I, I love this movie. This movie called Groundhog Day. Has anyone seen the movie Groundhog Day? I mean, just absolutely hysterical. Bill Murray does a phenomenal job of playing the character, this, uh, this weatherman who, I mean, he's got the, the wonderful job of going to Pensatani. I can't say. Try saying that 10 times. Yeah, Pennsylvania. And, uh, and he gets a report on Groundhog Day, this rodent that comes out of the ground, and if it sees its shadow, then it goes back, and you've got six more weeks of, of winter, and, and Bill, is, he's not having it. He just doesn't, really, come on, I, the superstition, is it really true? Come on now, for crying out loud, do I really need to report? And he's convinced, at this point, he's going to go do it, they, his, his supervisor says you got to go do it, so he does, he's faithful, and he does it, and he's like, this is it, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm going to a new station after this. Well, they get to the city, right? Thank you, right? Um, they get to the city, <laughs> and, uh, and he meets all sorts of wonderful people. And in the process of reporting on the news, and he's kind of disgruntled and grumbled about the whole thing, and he's like, yeah, great, it's a, a rodent that comes out of the ground, big whoop-de-doo, and I'm telling you, I've studied the weather patterns, I'm a meteorologist, there's going to be a storm coming in, whether the rodent tells you or not, there's a storm coming in, and after this, I'm getting out of town, right? I'm getting out of town. So, so he reports, and then all of a sudden, he's trying to get out of town, but he can't. He gets blocked by the weather. So he has to turn around and checks into a hotel room. And if you've seen the movie, I don't want to spoil it for you. He ends up being in a time loop, essentially. Every morning, he wakes up, right? In this time loop, he wakes up, and the scene is a 6 o'clock. As soon as the clock on the, on the nightstand turns from 5.59 to 6 o'clock, he wakes up. And it's the same day 
over and over and over and over again. And sometimes life can feel that way for us. The clock clicks on. It's like, here we go, another day. And I can't help but think, I can't help but wonder if the priests in the Old Testament felt the same way. I can't help but think and wonder if the priests in the Old Testament felt like, are we actually doing anything? Because we're offering these sacrifices day in and day out. Are we actually accomplishing our purpose? It seems like Groundhog Day over and over. And I'm wondering even if the people, the Israelites, are thinking this same thing about the priests and the sacrificial system that is put in place for them. And as we get into our passage in Hebrews, we're going to see very clearly an argument that unfolds. Hopefully it's very clear. It's very intricate. The author pulls together so many clues and points to the Levitical priesthood as the Levitical priesthood points to Jesus. We have an opportunity this morning to look back 2,000 years and engage in, a, in an author who's writing, who's also looking back in time post the resurrection. They're looking back in time and seeing Melchizedek and going, oh, Melchizedek was pointing to Jesus. And they continue to place, put this argument together and say, wait a minute, not only was Melchizedek pointing to Jesus, but so is the priesthood. The position of the priesthood is pointing to Jesus. It's as if the two are coming together in time and they're meeting in Jesus. And we have the opportunity to look back with them so if you've got your Bible with you, I'd invite you to open it or pull out your phone or your iPad or however you're going to read with me. We're in Hebrews chapter 7, and we're going to continue starting in verse 11. All right, we've all flipped and we're there. Great. Verse 11. Hear the word of our Lord. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it the law was given to the people, why was there still another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For, e for when there is a change of the priesthood, there must be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar." For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a high priest, not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis 
of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. And because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to, come complete, to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself for the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Okay, there's a lot going on in that passage. There is a great deal of information in which the author just assumes you know because you're probably a Jewish Christian who's converted and come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So you know all about the priesthood. You know all about the regulations and the laws. You're more than just familiar. You depend on it. Because we have to keep in mind that for this author, the priesthood grants us access and fellowship with God. The priesthood is the, the mode and the medium in which I have fellowship with God because the priest is the one that's offering sacrifices on my behalf day in and day out, over and over, because I cannot. The law has its regulation, right? The law, not the capital L law, but the law of the regulation says that the priest will come from the line of Aaron, the tribe of Levi. That's the law. And you will never find a priest from another tribe. And the author recognizes that and says, wait a minute, something changed. There's a new priest, so the law had to change. The regulation changed. I also think the law changed with a capital L. No longer are we under the law of obedience to gain salvation, but under the law of grace. We're no longer under the law of obedience to gain salvation, but under the law of grace through a high priest who is Jesus Christ because that's what the priesthood is pointing to, just like Melchizedek points to Jesus. The high priesthood points to Jesus. 
That's the sacrifice once and for all on the cross. He says, where's the crosses? Oh, because it moved. There they are, right? They're behind me now. Once and for all. He says it's finished. Offering himself as a sacrifice. No more are we on Groundhog's Day repeating the cycle over and over again. Right, see the law, I'm not saying the law is a bad thing. I don't want you to hear that. And I don't think the author wants us to understand the law as a negative thing because the law shows us like a mirror, right? My hair's out of place. I don't have any hair. I know it's okay, right? My hair's out of place. My suit's not on, right? My tie's not totally right because I ran out of the house too quickly and Kim didn't get to look at me, so she didn't get to play my mirror. But the mirror shows me a reflection of my true self, and that's what the law does. It shows me a reflection of who I am and my brokenness. And the ways in which I come short. The author starts with a kind of a rhetorical question. If, if perfection could be attained through the Levitical law, through the Levitical priesthood, it's almost like it would have been done. God would have accomplished it. But God was working from the very beginning, foreshadowing the Messiah, Jesus, who is to come pointing to him. Much like Melchizedek points to Jesus. You get the theme for this morning? That the priesthood points to Jesus. I got wrapped around the, this word perfection for a long time. As if I had this, as if I had it on a like a moral authority, that that's what the perfection meant. But this word perfection is much deeper and richer than just the obedience to the law and the fulfillment of the law. This word perfection that is being used really means completion and fulfillment. And we read it that way, if completion and fulfillment could have come through the Levitical priesthood, it would have. But it was insufficient. Not that it was ineffective, but it was insufficient because it was like Groundhog's Day. Every day, over and over, offering sacrifices that we might have fellowship with God. Isn't that what we want? We want fellowship with God to know that we are in a right relationship with God. Not because of what we do, but because of the law of grace through Jesus that is afforded to us. I mean, think back to the, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go very far, right? You just open the pages in Genesis chapter 1 and, and you see Adam and Eve enjoying fellowship with God as they walk with God in the garden. They enjoy the the community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Adam gets the opportunity and the, and the job to name the animals and to tend the garden and to work it. And they're given one law. Stay away from the tree. Don't eat from the tree. Of the knowledge of good and evil. But they break it. And what happens when the law is broken? When the law is broken, they lose access and fellowship with God. 
They're kicked out of the garden. And they're barred from access to the tree of life. Because heaven forbid they come back and enjoy the fruit from the tree of life and live eternally in this state of not being in fellowship with God. And so God, from the very beginning, had in mind this Levitical, this, the Levitical priesthood to point to Jesus to show people that the sacrifice, the sin, causes death and the sacrifice atones for it. Right? Jesus offers his life as an atoning sacrifice. And Jesus literally breaks the cycle. Jesus breaks the cycle. So we learn very easily and very quickly that perfection and completion cannot be attained by the Levitical priesthood. And then we learn that Jesus provides a new way breaking this cycle. As the priesthood points to Jesus, there's so much in this passage. You can't cover it in 20 minutes. You just can't. For there was a change in the priesthood. There must also be a change in the law. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. And it goes on. It goes, look, it was declared by God in Psalm 110. says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. When was the last time you heard God swear by himself? It's like I was, we were, um, we're, we're studying the, the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount with my high school, high school guys. And um, we get to the section where Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And they're like, well, that was simple. And I go, yeah. Why do we say, oh, I'll really, really do it. Why do, we, why do we add more to our yes? <sighs> right? Why do we add more to our yes? Because we're liars. There are things that we will we'll say we'll do it, but we actually won't do it. And then we're not trustworthy. Uh, okay, yeah, hon, I will really, really, really take the trash out tonight. Right? And, right? and you're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, you've said that before. No, really, really. I'm sitting there with my guys, and I'm like, look, why is Jesus saying let your yes be yes? Because when Jesus says yes, it's yes. When God says yes, it's yes. When God says let there be light, guess what? It's done. It's completed. Light takes shape and form. Let there be the sun, and there's the sun. So why is God, why is God takes an oath and says, I take an oath that this man, Jesus, is the high priest. Elevating the word of God, if you can even get any higher than the word of God. You see the significance here? By an oath, God promised that through the Levitical priesthood that points to Jesus, God swears by it and guarantees it. I remember 
Um, graduating, well, it was actually, it was in college. And I, and I was going to buy a car. And, um, you know, saved up money to put a down payment. And, you know, that time where you're, you're, you're trying to build credit, but you, you really don't have a whole lot. And if you walk into a dealership and you're like, I want to buy a car, I'm going to put X number down, put, you know, $7,000 down. I'm going to buy a, you know, $12,000 car. And, and they're like, okay, well, what's your credit score? And you're like, credit score? Uh, four? <laughs> I mean, is it out of five? What, what's the number out of? And so I, I remember my dad coming with me. And, uh, and he said, I'll be your co-signer. You use my credit... And it will guarantee to the dealer, to the lender, that you're good for it. Because I'm guaranteeing it. I'm putting my name down. Now, little did I know, um, the car was actually in his name. They put his name first, and I was the co-signer. How did that work? How did that get by me? But Jesus is the one who is guaranteeing it for you and I. We are in a great deal of debt. Jesus is the one that guarantees our salvation, guarantees our forgiveness. And it's permanent. The guarantee is permanent. Jesus' priesthood is forever. It will never end. Not like the Levitical priesthood where the priests would die and then another one would come and offer sacrifices. And another one would come and offer sacrifices. And another one, and another one. Jesus' priesthood is forever. It is eternal. Forever a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And it's beautiful. The description of who Jesus is. Do you catch the characteristics of who Jesus is in this passage? Wow, do I fall short. Such a high priest meets our need permanently. For he is holy. He is blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. We get this beautiful picture of who Jesus is. He's holy. And this holiness is described as one that is faithful to their duty to God. It describes someone who's not trying to appear before others, but as they appear before God, holy. Jesus is holy. Jesus is blameless. And there's no evil in him. He wants no harm to be done to anyone. And only good, only good exists in Jesus. Unlike the priests who were selfish and broken and human and had to offer sacrifices for themselves first before they entered in the presence of God. Jesus is pure and stainless as some translations stay. It describes someone who is absolutely free of any blemish. 
Because if there is a blemish, it's impossible to draw near to God. But Jesus is pure and stainless and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he's set apart. He is the highest and best of all humanity. That's who Jesus is. He shows us what God wants for us and shows us the face of God and desires us to live a life that is full of joy, peace, patience. I mean, a life abundantly flowing. And Jesus is exalted above the heavens. If being set apart points to Jesus' humanity as being above all humans, above all people, then being exalted above the heavens stresses that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, now interceding on our behalf. Wow. Jesus is interceding on our behalf, praying for you and I before the Father. Guaranteed on an oath. Permanent. Secure. Forever. See these descriptions. Holy, blameless, set apart. All emphasize Jesus' sinless character in contrast to the sinfulness of the earthly priests. And unlike the earthly priests, he had no need to offer sacrifice for himself. He had no need to offer sacrifice for himself, but, but instead offered the sacrifice of himself for us. Breaking the cycle of sin and death. Think about what all this means for me. Think about picturing Jesus as my high priest who the priesthood points to. And this repetitiveness of offering sacrifices, working for their salvation. I'm wondering if I sometimes fall back to working for my own salvation, thinking in my mind, consciously or unconsciously, that if I do this good thing, then God will forgive me for the bad thing that I did yesterday. If I go to church on Sunday morning, after a Saturday night, I am cleansed. We have this one-to-one relationship. I do. I don't know about you. But sometimes I fall into this cycle, this trap that thinks that I can do something to gain God's forgiveness. But that forgiveness is offered by grace. Nothing that I do, nothing that I say, but it is my life submitting to the Father in obedience and surrender to God, looking at Jesus and following in His example as a as a response to the grace I've received. It's like Groundhog's Day. 
over and over and over again. We do it. We check the box. We're cleared. We're ready to go. I don't know about you, but I want to stop. I want to get out of this infinite loop. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. If you've seen the movie Groundhog Day, you know, spoiler alert, right? Spoiler alert, right? We know that he gets out of this time loop because he figures out what his heart desires. He figures it out. He sees his coworker as not an object, but a human being whom he's growing to love and woo her over. And she eventually falls in love with him because he's learned how to play piano and to sculpt ice and to do all these wonderful, magnificent things. He even learns French just because he has all day and every day. It's the same day over and over again. And I'm wondering what our heart truly desires. And I think our heart truly desires fellowship with God and peace with the creator of the universe. And the only way to that is through Jesus Christ. All the, tes- all the Old Testament points to Jesus. All the New Testament points to the Old Testament, which is pointing to Jesus. And I don't know where you are in your life in this cycle. If it feels like Groundhog Day because you're trying over and over and every day, over and over, to earn and to win God's favor and fellowship with him. It's time to break that cycle. Jesus did it for you already and is inviting you into fellowship with God. And if fellowship with God is what you already enjoy, I'm going to give you a challenge. It was the same challenge I gave last week. Because it's the same theme, just a different person. Instead of Melchizedek pointing to Jesus, instead of the Levitical priesthood pointing to Jesus, I want your lives, my life, to point to Jesus. So if you didn't get an opportunity last week to do your homework assignment, and that is to ask someone close to you, how have I pointed you to Jesus? I want you to do that this week. Some of you came to me and encouraged me and said, hey, Pastor John, thank you for your message. And I went, consider your homework assignment done. You have encouraged me saying that I pointed you to Jesus on Sunday. Now you get to go do it again to someone else who is close to you. Amen? Amen. Amen.